This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. It is time for the Employment Hour. Leah Moody is covering the show tonight. Leah, as always, a, a jam-packed show. we got lots of stuff to get through. Uh, most common questions I get asked as an employment lawyer, not me, you, but uh, we'll get to that here in just a bit and a bunch of emails as well. First, as always, we'd like to start the week off with the uh, the week that was. How was it? It was a great week. Thanks, John. Um, and I am eager to dive right in. We've got lots of good stuff to talk about this week. We've got some good topics to cover. But before we get there, I just wanted to provide a little background as to who I am and, and what this show is all about. Uh, I'm an employment lawyer here in Vancouver, and I work mostly for and on behalf of employees. And I help these employees with various employment issues that arise in the workplace. Uh, that can include anything from terminations to severance entitlements, new contracts, uh, harassment, relocations. And this show, this show, The Employment Hour, is dedicated to exactly that. Uh, it's dedicated to helping people with their employment issues or simply just providing some information to employees generally so that you know, our listeners know, exactly what your rights are in the workplace and what your employer's obligations are and when you may need a lawyer. So if you have any questions or concerns, you want to know what you're entitled to, what your rights are, Give us a call over the next hour, and and John and I will be happy to help you through it. Mm -hmm. To start us off, to get us warmed up, we have a little segment called The Week That Was, which is essentially a snapshot of the work that I do during the week on real cases that come across my desk. This past week, I spoke with a couple of people, actually, I think two or three, who were labeled as independent contractors, and they wanted to know if they were entitled to severance. And this is an important important question and an important distinction to make because if you are a true independent contractor you are not strictly speaking entitled to severance unless your contract says you are but john you know and i know that just because the company calls you an independent contractor just because you invoice your time just because you're incorporated does not legally make you an independent contractor And does not, by a long shot, mean that you aren't entitled to severance. And this is a huge area of misconception and misinformation for employees and a big problem for workers generally. I actually just recently read an article that said that the misclassification of employees as independent contractors presents one of the most serious problems facing not just workers, but the entire economy. And there are all sorts of reasons why a company may want to call you an independent contractor. It gets them out of paying vacation pay, overtime pay, severance pay, all of which can be uh, a significant financial outlay for employers. But just because there's reason to call you a contractor and just because you're called a contractor does not mean that you are one. And in fact, none of the three people I spoke to this past week were true independent contractors. And and they were actually all considered to be employees. And to figure that out, John, I looked at two general things, control and integration. Employees, and this is very general, but employees have a low degree of control over their work and a high degree of integration. And the reverse is true for contractors who have a low degree of integration in the workforce, but a high degree of control. And what I mean by control is, you know, who sets your schedule, your rate of pay, you know, who tells you who your clients are going to be. Integration can mean that you've got company cards uh, that company employees report to you, that you use the company's tool and their letterhead. 
And really, it's a balancing act between all of these factors. So if you set your own rate of pay, but also have a company uniform, sit at a desk and use a computer provided for by that company, and you come to work when the company tells you to, then chances are you're an employee and you're entitled to severance on termination no matter what somebody calls you. And I guess it, it, it's well if they're that you may have another small source of income on the side, but if they're the main source of your income five days a week and they're still calling you an independent contractor, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't wash, right? No, and that's, that's a great point, too, because there's a third category of employees as well, which is a dependent contractor. So even mm-hmm. if you have right. a high degree of control and a lo- low degree of integration such that you're not an employee and you are a contractor, you can still be entitled to severance if you are financially dependent on that source of income from the company. So if you're financially dependent right. on the company and you're terminated, even as a dependent contractor, you're still entitled to severance. You're still entitled to notice of your termination or pay in lieu of that notice. What else you got going on? Uh, well, the second case that came across my desk this week was a bit simpler, um, but no less confusing. And I find it actually is cause for a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. And mm-hmm. that is with respect to short service employees. Got a lot of surprise on this this past week. Uh, and by short service employees, I mean employees who have been working for a company for, for less than two years. So anywhere from you know four months to two years. Unfortunately, uh, most of the time I encounter this confusion is in retrospect, meaning that these employees have already signed the paperwork and are talking to me about their termination when there's nothing I can do about it anymore. Um, And you know how we feel about people signing things before they get legal advice. Please, please, please don't do that. Please speak to a lawyer before signing anything that your employer gives you. Um, You know, remember, your employer is almost never going to give you something to sign because it benefits you. Uh, But this particular particular gentleman that I spoke to this week, he called me before he had signed uh, anything. And he'd been employed for a period of six months. He wasn't actually given any severance, likely on account of the fact that this was one of my independent contractor guys that I referred to earlier. Uh, and the employer thought that they didn't have to pay any severance. When when we spoke, he said, you know, I looked this up and I know I only get a week of severance. So it, it probably isn't worth it for me. Wrong. Uh, If he'd had a contract that limited him to his minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, this would actually be all that he's entitled to that one week. But in this case, he didn't. There was no enforceable legal contract in place, which means he's entitled to notice under the common law. And common law notice is different from, and importantly, much more generous than your severance entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. And when it comes to short service employees, so again, those people who have been there for four months to 18 or 24 months, our courts in BC say that these employees are entitled to disproportionately longer periods of notice with a floor of about two to three months. So imagine this guy's surprise when he calls thinking I'm going to tell him that he only gets the one week if he's an employee, which he was. And it turns out that he's entitled to significantly more than that. So I'll be starting some uh, informal negotiations with the company on this guy's behalf early next week. And I look forward to bringing this to a positive resolution for him shortly. You, you know, you can't stress the importance of people just laying back, you know, taking a deep breath when they get a severance offer or if they get offered a uh, employment contract midstream of employment and just relax 
make a phone call to you and just get it sorted out. Cause this could potentially, whether it's a severance or whether it's a, you know, a, a contract moving forward could be tens of thousands of dollars on the back end that they're going to be missing out on if they sign anything, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I totally understand why people panic and they sign on the dotted line. I yep. mean, that's a very human response to a very, you know, personal and often traumatic event that's just happened. But I really try to encourage people to do exactly that. Take a deep breath walk away, at least ask for a week to think it over um, and seek legal advice yeah. in, in the meantime. You can certainly connect with a lawyer and, and get all the information you need about what you're entitled to. And we'll uh, we'll take a deep breath here. We'll take uh, some time for you to fill up the phone lines. You want to call Leah, ask a question about your severance, your job, bring it on. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell phone. It's the Employment Hour right here on 980 CKNW. And Leah Moody is covering things again tonight on uh, her end. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. You want to call in anytime as well. Help at employmenthour.com. And we will cover it uh, in some depth a little later on. You want to know what your severance offer should be anytime. You might have the paper in front of you going, wow, this looks generous, guaranteed or almost guaranteed. It's way short of what it should be. You want to find out the number, the correct number, simple. Severancepaycalculator.com. Takes about 30 seconds, three questions, and you're off and running. You can uh, walk away anonymous or you can contact Leah uh, from the button at the bottom as well. So I want to get into this, Leah, and uh, our topic for tonight in between our phone calls, most common questions I get asked as an employment lawyer. I'll throw the first ones, uh, in fact, I'll throw them all at you and you can expand on them, okay? So first sure. one, I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment? So I, I get this question all the time and this is always mm-hmm. a hard one to answer because the short answer is yes. Uh, an employer can terminate your employment even if you didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, I have people who call me all the time asking if they've been wrongfully dismissed because they were terminated notwithstanding the fact that they were excellent performers um, or had a lot of seniority or they were terminated for no reason at all. No reason was offered whatsoever or a reason that you know, comes across as being less than truthful. Um, but the only time that the reason for your termination gives rise to a wrongful dismissal claim is when you're terminated for a discriminatory reason. Right. And that means uh, because you're terminated on the basis of your gender, uh, sexual orientation or gender identification, race, disability, religion, any of those characteristics that are afforded specific protection by our human rights legislation. Barring so, this, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to, yeah. That's yeah, barring ahead. this, a company can, can terminate you because they feel mm-hmm. like it, which is difficult to explain sometimes. Yeah, because sounds it sounds pretty callous, right? It does. It sounds callous <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't coincide with our feelings of fairness, right? You, you feel like you should be given a reason if mm-hmm. you're going to be let go suddenly. Um, but, they can terminate you for absolutely no reason whatsoever, uh, as long as they pay you the severance that you're entitled to. And this is why I'm, you know, so hardcore about making sure people know what their severance entitlements are, because it's so important. And that's the only way in which you and employee are protected here. Our our law allows an, a company to make any non-discriminatory business decision that it has to or wants to, as long as that employee is is paid out. And I feel like I say this all the time, but if you're terminated, focus less on the reason, as personal as it may feel, and more on that package in front of you. Again, the number six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. If you have any questions in that regard or any other, yeah, so we often joke. You and I have joked about it, Leor and I. That you'll come to work one day and your employer says, "You know what? 
Here, driving a Mazda. I don't like Mazdas, so uh, we're going to let you go. Preposterous, asinine, <laughs> but legally, they could do that. You just have to worry about what you're getting on the back end, right? Some people might feel really strongly about Mazdas. <laughs> right? Yeah, you they know. might love them. Who knows? Yeah, and, and, but <laughs> you get a lot of things that, you know, where an employer will say, we're terminating you because we're restructuring your department. Right. Um, or, you know, it's some business decision we're not doing very well. And then the employer then posts an ad for the exact position that you left. And that feels very unfair. And I absolutely understand that. But it is not illegal, believe it or not. That is not an illegal thing to do to terminate you and lie about the reason for terminating you and then post uh, for somebody in your position. The only way that's illegal is if it's discriminatory. Uh, and that's, that's the only time that the reason comes into play here. Talking about the most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer. Another one is how much severance should I get? I'm just going to lob an easy one over the plate for you. Yeah, that's to- definitely a love ball because that's the most common question I get. And I answer it probably you know seven or eight times a day. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense that that's the most common question. I mean, people call me to assess exactly that. How much severance is someone entitled to when they're terminated? And yeah. the answer to that question also generally causes the most surprise and most explanation on my part, which is why I have tons of experience answering this question, because it can sound almost too good to be true. Um, And I understand that because in some cases, I'm telling people that they're entitled to 18 months instead of the eight weeks that are on the table. And they, they question rightly why their employer that they've spent, you know, 20 years with would shortchange them so yeah. significantly or why if it was so obvious or such a huge difference or so well known, why that answer isn't more apparent on Google. And, and all I can really tell them is that I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't true, I wouldn't have a job if the information was was easily accessible because there's so much misinformation out there, and employers also try to obfuscate that. Um, you know, they they give you less their less than you're entitled to because they don't know any better. That's another reason. Um, Many websites and companies will cite the Employment Standards Act as the basis for your entitlements. And the ESA does indeed set out an employee's entitlements in the event of a termination. Um, You know, if you've been there for more than three months, you get one week and you max out at eight weeks. And it does say that the maximum is eight weeks, but those are only your your base minimums. They're your floor. Your minimums, yeah. Yeah, they're not your ceiling. The only way that you legally max out at your Employment Standards Act entitlements, as at your statutory entitlements, is if you've legally signed an enforceable contract that specifically and explicitly makes right. them your ceiling. Without that, you're entitled to severance under the common law, and that can be a very, very big difference. 604-280-9898 is the number you want to call through. We'll get to a uh, first call of the night. Got uh, Bob on the line. Hey, Bob. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Good, pal. What's going on? So uh, I wanted to know the statute of limitations on, on applying for severance. Mine's a bit unique in that uh, I was given severance, but uh, the reason I was severed, in my opinion, was because the government actually called up uh, my company and got me canned. And I'm just curious as to whether or not there's a different angle here in terms of a privacy breach for information that was uh, shared by the government with my employer. Uh, okay, so so how long did this termination take place? How long ago? It was like five years ago. Yeah, so unfortunately, there there is a two-year statute of limitations on severance claims. You've, you've got to bring the claim uh, two years from the time that you discover that there's damages that are owing to you. So unless you recently discovered this in the last two years, um, then I, I don't think that there's any recourse for you, unfortunately, Bob. Fair enough. Okay, thank Sorry you Sorry so about that. Okay. 
Bye. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate that. Uh, moving forward, you need to get a hold of Leah and the firm. That number is 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123 or help at employmenthour.com. That's a good email address to use. John, good afternoon. Yeah, hi. Hey. I just a quick question on um, a severance for an elected official um, outside of government. Is there any such thing if you weren't re-elected? Uh, i.e. Uh, in a union uh, uh, place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so unionized employees are, are different in that their severance entitlements and the terms on which you're going to be let go or kept on or paid out or go- are going to be covered by a collective bargaining agreement. But non-unionized elected officials are still entitled to severance. If, you know, if they're terminated or let go in the middle of their term, then, I mean, generally that's covered by some kind of contract. And generally it's what's known as a golden parachute, which angers constituents to no end. Um, but elected officials are, are employees just like anybody else, and, and they can be entitled to severance. Um, you know, if you're unionized, then we are talking about severance under a collective bargaining agreement, though. Yeah, um, well, mine's a, yeah, it's a little different. Um, of course, I guess my main question is, <clears throat> we have three-year terms, so per se, I run again and didn't get either nominated or win the election. Would that would that qualify as being severed? Uh, not quite. Um, and again, your collective bargaining agreement would likely define when a, like a severance of the employment relationship occurs, but it's more likely than not that because that wasn't the employer, so to speak, because it wasn't the employer's decision to terminate your employment, um, that they wouldn't be obligated to pay you that severance. But don't take my word for it. I, I would take a look at your collective collective bargaining agreement, have a close look at it, because that should um, completely and comprehensively cover it. Yeah, it, 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 in this case, it doesn't. Um, yeah, I would probably... That's odd. Have you spoken to your union? Uh, not not as such, but I mean, uh, over the years, uh, you know, people would just, you know, kind of finish their term and retire or whatever. I'm, I'm younger and in a different situation, so obviously an election's coming up, so you get a little concerned. Absolutely. I, I would definitely speak to your union official about that, John. Okay, thank you. No problem. And he's just before we break here, he's bound by the union anyway. Any any sort of moves he has to make, he can't come to you. He can't go outside the union. It's got to be through the CBA, right? Yeah, I've had so many people come to me in the last couple of weeks yep. who are unionized and their you know, unions aren't perhaps representing them the best that they should. And mm-hmm. my hands are tied because the only way a, an employment lawyer can step in and mm-hmm. represent you is if your union doesn't fairly represent you. It's called the duty of fair representation. And unless you can prove that they're failing in that duty, um, there's not much that you can do. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll take a short break. Get back to more common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer. If you have one, feel free to call now. Now's the time. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Email help at com. And a uh, short break right back at it, the employment hour here, 980 CKNW. And Liam Moody uh, covering things, of course, for us tonight. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell is where you want to go. It is help at employmenthour.com. And if you want to know what your severance offer should be, you got the piece of paper in front of you, or just for interest's sake, you want to know, you know, if I ever lost my job, I'm working here about 15 years, and I'm 50 years old, I make so much money, what would it be? Severancepaycalculator.com will give you an accurate number. There's also a contact button on the bottom of that if you want to reach out and get a hold of uh, Leah or a member of the team there and uh, take it any 
further than that. We are talking about the most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer. Uh, another one here, my severance letter says I have to accept by a certain date or else, you know, Friday at 5. What do I do? Panic is setting in. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what do you do? I'm, it depends on when that date is. But I, I generally say that if it's the same day or the next day or even the end of the week, simply ask for more time. It's that easy. Tell them that you need to sleep on it. Speak it over with family. Call your resident friendly employment lawyer. But tell mm-hmm. them you need more time. They will give it to you because guess what? Your rights, your entitlements do not expire Friday at five. They they crystallize, they form the moment that you are terminated and no passing of deadlines is going to change that. So the follow-up question to this is usually, why do companies provide a deadline right. if it's essentially meaningless? And I, you, I tend to think that it's because companies want to exert some pressure on you. They want you to feel like there's some sort of crunch, like you've got to time-limited opportunity to accept their offer and that you've got no time to speak to an, uh, an employment lawyer. If, if they're making it sound like it's something that you might pass up or that might slip away, you know, perhaps you'll, you'll just sign on the dotted line. You won't even think about it. Um, you know, a, another reason why companies might do so is, is simply for, for certainty. They, they want to do the books. They want to close the file. Um, and, and yeah. you know, they don't want to push this over for another month or so. So there's all sorts of reasons why a company would impose a deadline on your package. But the expiration of your entitlements is not one of them. Um, I also say here, though, that it's never necessarily wise to ignore a deadline either, which is why I do recommend that you at least ask for more time. You acknowledge that there is some sort of deadline. I always try to respond by the deadline set by the company simply to be respectful of of that and to get Mm. negotiations started off on the right foot. So if a deadline is put in front of you on the severance package and you're you're feeling the pressure, you don't feel like you've got the space to think about this, you need to take a couple deep breaths, just ask them for more time. I have actually never seen this refused. I know someone listening right now going, okay, but what happens if I, you know, say I need more time and they're going to tell me, well, this is the best offer you're going to get. You need more time. We're going to take the number down, which doesn't happen. That's not true. But people think that, right? That's why they don't want to ask for more time. They figure, oh, the offer is going to get worse. They're taking money off the table. I've never seen money taken off the table. And and look, if, if your employer is going to double down and say, you know, you better do this or else it's going to expire. And if you walk out this door, so does that severance offer. That should be yeah. setting off some major alarm bells. They don't want you to go home and sleep about this or sleep on this. They don't want you to talk it over with your family or more importantly, an employment lawyer. So if they're if they're making you feel pressured, if they're just adding to that pressure, then that's even more reason to take that unsigned piece of paper out of the room with you and and give me a call so that I can make sure that you're getting everything that you're entitled to. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Got some time to call in here just before uh, 5 o'clock and we wrap. We're talking about the most common questions I get asked as an employment lawyer. You're writing this, Leah, and it says, my employer says that I'm on, quote, unquote, a temporary layoff. What is it? What can I do? This is such an important um, and very common question, although I really don't think it's asked as often as it should be, both by employees and employers. I think most people assume that layoffs just happen. They're just a part of doing business. And you know, perhaps they should even be thankful that they're being temporarily laid off instead of just being terminated. But here's, here's the important part. In most cases, a layoff is a termination because there's no automatic right for an employer to, t- to lay you off, period. It doesn't matter what the company's reasons are. A, a layoff is a termination, mm-hmm. and being laid off, so being terminated, entitles you to severance. 
the only way that the company can legally lay you off is if you've agreed to be laid off. And that agreement can either be by way of a contract that says that you're going to be laid off or through prior consent to layoffs. So if you've been working in a seasonal industry for four years and you've agreed to a layoff you know, every Christmas or over the winter when probably they're most common from years one to three, you cannot then claim that the layoff in year four is a termination. At that point, you've condoned it. You've, you've acquiesced and the right to lay you off actually becomes an implied term of your employment. But barring this or any kind of agreement to be laid off in an employment contract, you cannot be legally laid off and being laid off entitles you to severance. Now, I, I know what most people are thinking right now because the follow-up is as common as the question. A- am I not better off to accept the layoff and the possibility of being recalled rather than treating it as a termination and being without employment altogether? And I understand that. I see that point. However, this is where layoffs, for, for lack of a better phrase, really suck. And they put employees in a very difficult position. Because if you agree to the layoff when it happens and you accept your recall if and when that day comes, then all you're doing is exposing yourself to more layoffs. If they have the right to do so, an employer can lay you off for 13 weeks in any 20-week period. So they may recall you, but then seven weeks later, lay you off again. You could be subject to a perpetual cycle of layoffs. And yes, that's employment and it's income, but that is not a situation I think most people want to find themselves in. That's not sustainable. You can't live off of seven weeks of income in 20-week periods throughout the year. So that's why I, I always recommend that you treat it as a termination and you seek the severance that you're entitled to and you move on to a bigger and better job that is at least stable and secure. And I guess the only time where that doesn't really apply as much if you're in a type of business or job where it's 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 already there, it's implied, a roofer, a pool cleaner, something that's more seasonal work than it would be for a normal layoff, right? Yeah, that's true. So so there are two ways in which it can be an implied term. If you've condoned it, so if you've agreed to oh. pass layoffs, or if it's an industry that the employer can prove is subject to seasonal layoffs as a part and parcel of the industry. That being said, that threshold is very high. And so a lot of people automatically think of construction. Layoffs happen all the time during the winter months in construction. But if you've been working for a construction company for, you know, two, three, four years, and all of a sudden they put you on a layoff, the implied term of your employment is actually continued employment and not a layoff. So even if it's the industry is subject to layoffs, but you haven't been, that layoff still becomes a termination. So I wouldn't be so quick to say that just because it's common for an industry gives them the right to. Gotcha. 604-283-9898 is the number or star 9898 on your cell to call in. Ask a question here tonight. Uh, how about this one? Talk about the most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer. I tried to come back to work after disability leave and my employer said, well, oh, doesn't have a job for me. Is this even legal? It's not necessarily illegal. Um, many employees and employers, again, believe that 
being on a medical leave makes you untouchable. And that's not actually true. As I said before, an employer can terminate you for any reason and at any time. And that includes you being away on a sick leave or on a parental leave, uh, any kind of leave. The key here is that the leave isn't a reason for the termination. It can't even actually be a fraction of the reason for the termination. Think of it this way. You can be terminated while on leave, but you cannot be terminated because you are on leave. It's a distinction with a difference. If the leave was a reason behind your termination then you may have a human rights code complaint. Uh, You may also have a human rights code complaint if there were jobs available that you could have worked in and the employer simply failed to accommodate you. If you've been medically cleared to return to work and an employer has, sorry, if you've been medically cleared to return to work, your employer has a positive duty to do what it can to the point of undue hardship to accommodate Mm -hmm. your return. And that's a high threshold for the employer to meet. Even if the leave isn't a reason, and even if every step has been taken to accommodate the employee, that employee is still entitled to severance. And in this case, you may be entitled to more than you might otherwise if you have a, a permanent or, or lasting disability that will impact your ability to find other work. So if you find yourself in this situation, it's extremely important that you give a lawyer a call. It's a complicated area of the law. It's very fact and context specific, and you want to make sure that you're navigating it properly. You want to get a hold of Leah or another member of the team, you should have that number, 604-283-3123, and help at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break, get back into more of our topic, and some emails as well. Most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer, and you can call in too. Still got lots of time for that, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It's the Employment Hour right here on 980 CKNW. You still got some time to give us a call here and get your questions asked. That is the number again, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your, uh, your cell. We'll bounce right over to, uh, to Barry here. Hey, Barry, good afternoon. How are you? Well, good afternoon. I'm a retired lawyer and I've done, uh, I, I took labor law at university. I didn't practice much of it, but I have a question. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I, I assume you guys are the ones who, who do the, uh, the advertising on CKNW. You talk about the labor board. Now I'm, what I'm used to is there's the, Labor Standards Branch or the Employment Standards Branch and the Labor Relations Board. Is the Labor Board something different? No, no, that's the Employment Standards Branch. So when we refer to the Labor Board, um, that's how a lot of people commonly refer to it, but I am speaking about the Employment Standards Branch. That's what I want to know. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're very welcome. Appreciate that. See, some knowledge. I like that. He knows what we're talking about already. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer, Lee, another one here is my employer reduced my pay or made another significant change to the terms of my employment. Uh, Why did they do this? Can they do this? Is it legal for them to do this? Uh, Why did they do it? Probably because they're just trying to save a buck or two. Um, But is it legal? Not unless you've agreed to it. So unless the company has clearly reserved the right to do so, uh, and, and usually that's by way of an agreement, an enforceable agreement that you've seen and signed that gives them the power to change your job duties you know, or move you to Kelowna when they want to, an employer uh-huh. cannot, without your agreement, change the essential terms of your employment. And essential terms generally mean responsibilities, pay, and general job location. If, if they change any of these terms unilaterally, then you can either accept it or you can treat the change as the termination of your employment. And this is called a constructive dismissal. 
And a constructive dismissal is the same as a regular termination in that it entitles you to severance. It's just less explicit. It's a termination through action rather than words. So if the terms of your employment have changed and you do not agree to them and you do not want to agree to them and the company doesn't have the contractual right to do so, then you can collect your severance. Again, this kind of speaks to the same type of thing as the temporary layoff, though. Once you accept it, whether it's a reduction in pay or they move your workplace a little bit or they change your hours, if you accept it and let it go for too long, that gives uh, the implied term they can do it again and again and again, right? Yeah, and I think you always like to say, John, that you can take it for a test drive. You can you can right. take, take that change out for, for a little spin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. You know, if, if you think, you know, maybe you've always wanted to move to Kelowna and, you know, so you head down there for a couple weeks and then after a couple weeks you realize that this just isn't for you. You can can still claim constructive dismissal. You can give it a, a little bit of a, of a test. But if you let it go, I, and I usually like to say four weeks, um, you yeah. know, it might in some cases extend as long as eight weeks, depending on the kind of change. But if you let it go much longer than that, then you will be deemed to have accepted it. And then at that point, there's, there's nothing that we can do for you. 604 280 or star 9898 on cell. you got a couple minutes here to call in. You want to squeak in a question before we uh, wrap for another weekend. And we're talking about the most common questions you get asked as an employment lawyer. Another one is my employer says that it is terminating my employment for cause. What can I do? Well, challenge it. Um, yeah. our, our employment laws say that an employee is entitled to notice in the event of a termination or pay in lieu of that notice. So when an employer is saying that it has cause to terminate you, that means that they're saying that they don't owe you that notice or severance because you, as the employee, you, your actions, you, you, don't get, you don't get that. You're not entitled to it anymore. And this is reasonably a very high bar. An employer has to show that you've acted in such a way so as to fundamentally breach the employment relationship such that you become responsible for bringing about the end of the employment relationship. And this obviates any obligation in, with respect to severance, meaning that the company doesn't have to pay you anything. The employer has to proceed very cautiously here. Um, an employer who wants to terminate an employee with cause has to do so immediately preceding the offending event um, or after they've spent sufficient time building a case against you. If an employer is trying to claim it has cause for performance issues or insubordination or absenteeism, for example, you can't just take one poor performance review or one instance of absenteeism and use that as justification to terminate for cause. For these less serious offenses, the employer needs to have provided you with multiple warnings, made their expectations know, and given you a real opportunity to improve. And it's only after all of this, from a timing perspective, that an employer can terminate you with cause. End of the day, cause has been called the capital punishment of the employment relationship. It's a very serious stance to take against an employee and say that you're not entitled to any of your legal entitlements. And it can be very difficult for an employer to prove. So if your employer has told you that you've been terminated for cause and they're trying not to give you notice or pay in lieu of that notice, call us, call a lawyer and challenge it. The number to call. Uh, the number to call uh, Leah anytime. I remember the team six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three. Let's wrap up with an email or two as we uh, wind down here. Margaret writes in again. Help at employmenthour dot com is that email address. Margaret says uh, this is a bit of a uh, bit of an oxymoron here. It says I worked for a healthcare facility for thirty two years full time as an independent contractor. Uh, I was <laughs> let go last week. What am I owed? 
Yeah. So uh, right there, I mean, that's that's a red flag. Yep. That signals to me, you know, you're working 32 years full time for one place, um, you know, you're owed severance. Uh, and that's yep. and that's regardless of whether or not you are legally a contractor or an employee, because if you've been working full time for one place for that long, it's I, I can't imagine a situation where you wouldn't at least be a dependent contractor. Again, yeah. meaning you are financially dependent on that source of income on employment with that company. And if you're a dependent contractor or you're an employee, you are owed severance. And for someone who's been there for 32 years, years under the common law you're looking at 24 months of severance possibly yeah. right that's that's no joke and the only reason i'm saying that is because 24 months is the rough cap uh, under our laws um very rarely are people awarded more than that so someone with 32 years employment i mean we're, we're easily looking at at 22 24 months of severance here including all components of your compensation as well so you know someone who's been there for that long likely contributing to a pension likely enrolled in benefits you know if you if you're earning a bonus in some sort of managerial role that's all included uh, over the course of the applicable notice period. And not that she would have one, or maybe she did, but anything like a company car or a you know gas card, all that stuff, whatever, whatever components of her, her compensation have to be included in that twenty four months too, right? Every everything, yeah. I mean, now yeah. I will say when it comes to perks like a phone or a car, if you're using right. that a hundred percent for business and you're no longer um, you know doing business for the company, then you don't you don't get that that perk anymore. But if, if, if the company says, you know, here's a company car and you can use it personally, this is the only vehicle that you have, or they give you the phone, it's the only phone that you have, and they're paying the full b- bill every month without questioning anything, then you're entitled to some compensation for the loss of your personal use of those things prorated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that looks like 20%, sometimes it looks like 50%. It's, it's all really dependent on, on your personal situation. But yeah, John, every component of your compensation, uh, you are entitled to be compensated for over the course of the notice period, even if you aren't working there anymore. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, Margaret uh, worked there for 32 years. Doesn't give her age, but she, uh, you know, I would love to see what she was actually offered. I bet you it was pennies on the dollar compared to what the, the 24 months that you just mentioned, for sure. Well, I, I you know, be. I don't know that I run into too many companies who are eager to part with two years of salary right off the bat. Yeah, so, right. yeah, I, I would bet that she's being lowballed. I mean, I would, I would bet my house um, on yeah. on that. You know, so I, I, Margaret, if you're listening, I would certainly inco- encourage you to, to call in. Um, you know, give me a call off air, and and we'll make sure that you're being completely covered here. Good way to wrap it for another week. Exactly that number six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three to get a hold of Leah and her colleagues at the firm. Help at employmenthour dot com. And we mentioned as well, even though Leah can do it in her head, you want to know what your severance should be owed. It is severancepaycalculator dot com as well. Till next week, it's been the Employment Hour right here nine eighty CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.